0: Welcome, and thanks for listening to the Sermon Podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Life is hard. Sometimes it gets harder, like during this pandemic. People have died. People are sick. Unemployment is at record highs. And the future is uncertain. How do we cope? How do we get to normalcy? Or even better, how do we thrive even in this time? Here's First Pres worship leader Jason Waldrip with the Sermon, Pathway to Peace.
1: Warmest greetings to all of you from our Koalao campus. As I was driving up the road to the church this morning, my heart was full as I thought of all of you and the tremendous ways God has and continues to bless us during this season. It is my prayer that we can keep our attention and focus on Him. But gee, there is a lot of distraction and it's hard to avoid the news these days, right? Deep down, I know reading and watching too much news is not good for my emotional and mental well-being. Now don't get me wrong, I understand the importance of staying informed, but too often I find myself falling down the news rabbit hole once I start consuming it. The attention grabbing headlines are everywhere and the vast majority are getting harder to digest without being discouraged. Yes, things are opening back up and I'm grateful for that. And I'm very grateful that here in our islands, we have been successful at flattening the curve, but already we are hearing reports of second waves around the world We are bombarded with headlines concerning our economy. The unemployment rate is skyrocketing. And and we are all coming to grips with the fact that our world is in many ways forever changed. But wait, there's more. It's an election year. Wow, there's so much going on. In this season, I think it's safe to say there is a war on peace. The evidence is all around us. If we aren't personally struggling in some way with life during this pandemic, we definitely know people that are. We have all been affected, we are all doing our best to adapt, to adjust, and for many, just survive. While uncertainties seem to be piling up, peace and joy are becoming harder and harder to find and hold on to. Life is hard. But the truth is that we are not the only ones who have struggled with life altering events and circumstances. Generations before us have endured other pandemics and plagues, catastrophic wars, and deadly famines. Unfortunately, great suffering is and will continue to be part of our human experience. Now, we learned from Pastor Dan a couple weeks back that God doesn't create suffering, but that he does show up in the midst of it. His goodness, his love, his peace, whether we see it or feel it right now, is all around us but how can we actually experience it? How can we press into it? How can we experience and hold on to more of God's peace? Well, we have some incredible teachers in the Bible that can help us shed light on this. And for those of us who are following Jesus, what better way is there for us to learn than from one of the first followers of Jesus who wrote plenty about this issue. Now, if you don't know Jesus or just getting to know him, that's okay. We are so happy you are here. It's my hope that you will get to know him better through my sharing today, as we look for instruction on how to find peace through the hard circumstances and situations of life. So let's turn to our Bibles and read a passage written by by someone whose life was radically changed by meeting Jesus. His name is Paul. He writes this letter of encouragement and instruction to fellow Jesus followers in a city called Philippi. He's writing to people like us, people who are living through difficult times, Let's read his words together, and may they be an encouragement for us today from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Now I know what you're thinking. Paul, come on, really, rejoice in the Lord? You may be thinking, how out of touch is this guy? Is he so out of touch with the harsh realities of life that he can talk about rejoicing? Who is he to tell us not to be anxious? Maybe he's trying to numb himself, to avoid the pain of life but pretending it doesn't exist. His words seem so out of touch, right? I understand this reaction, believe me. This is a conversation that I've had with myself. But before we dismiss Paul as some out of touch Bible character, consider this. He wrote these very words from a prison cell when at any moment he could be executed. Not because he was a murderer or a thief, but because he believed in Jesus. Look, this man lived through great suffering And actually, tradition tells us he was eventually beheaded by the Roman government. Let's listen to his words written in a different letter as he describes some of his life experiences. From the second letter to the Corinthian church, chapter 11, verses 23 to 27. I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, and at death's door, time after time, I've been flogged five times with the Jews' 39 lashes beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In hard traveling year in and year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many a long night and lonely night without sleep, Many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. It's pretty evident that Paul had a rough life as a Jesus follower. He didn't write these words from a throne or ivory tower. He lived what he was teaching and wants us to know that in the midst of the storms of life, peace is available to us. In fact, in these four short verses written for the Philippian church, Paul shares with us three steps that I would like to call a pathway to peace. Let's take a closer look at these verses again, one by one, starting with verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I will say, rejoice. So step one on a pathway to peace is, you guessed it, rejoice always. Now I know how this sounds, impossible, right? In the face of fear, anxiety, and suffering, man, it is hard to rejoice. I mean to rejoice is to be joyous or full of joy. I know when things get hard for me and I begin to stress, the last thing I think about is expressing joy. In those anxious moments, joy feels like a distant friend. But let's look closely at what Paul is saying here. Paul's not telling us to rejoice in our circumstance. He's not saying rejoice in your situation. Your circumstance and your situation may give you nothing or little to rejoice about. Paul says instead, Rejoice in the Lord. Paul is urging fellow Jesus followers to rejoice in the Lord, to rejoice in Jesus. Jesus is your joy. Let me say that again. Jesus is your joy. Jesus is bigger than your circumstance. Jesus is stronger than your situation. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Through Jesus, in our relationship with him, we are promised rest. So if by faith you have put your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, then not only have you been given the keys to heaven for all eternity, but you also have the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, living within you right now. His presence is all around you, and it's in you. And the Bible teaches that the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead now lives in those who believe. When you put your faith in Jesus, you have access to supernatural power through His Spirit, and now resides in you. This is mind-blowing. The reality of this is so hard to grasp, if not impossible to really get, that the creator of the universe lives inside of me, and not only that he lives inside of me, but that he does so because he loves me, that he chooses me, that he wants to have a personal relationship with me, and that he has my back, no matter the circumstance. As followers of Jesus, when we begin to receive and live in the truth of this reality, we can in any and every circumstance or situation, rejoice in the Lord. We can find joy in Jesus, no matter what is going on around us. So when things get tough, Paul's words here are urging us to action, teaching us that there is power in rejoicing. And this is not something we're supposed to do just once a week during official church services. And it's not something we do only when it feels good or when we're in the mood. And it's not something we do only when things are going well. What does Paul say? Rejoice in the Lord always. And for more emphasis, he says, again, I say rejoice. I love being a worship leader for so many reasons, but one of the main reasons is I know firsthand the power of music. During a time of great physical, emotional, and spiritual healing for me, I volunteer weekly at a children's hospital. I would go room to room with my guitar and ask if I could share a song with anyone who wanted to listen. It was amazing to see how music could elevate the room, how a simple song could bring a moment of joy, hope, or peace. Sadly, I would often see the same patients and their parents week after week. For the parents of these precious babies and children with serious conditions, I became a welcome part of their week and I also look forward to being with them. And the strange thing is that it wasn't always a joyous occasion when I played for them. Sometimes it would be. But oftentimes, parents would break down and cry as I sang to their kids. And I learned that that was okay. In those moments, the music I shared from my heart touched them in a way they needed. Music is funny like that. Sometimes we sing and dance with joy, and it's easy to celebrate. And other times, all we can do is quietly listen often with tears streaming down our face. In these moments at the hospital, God was teaching me about musical worship and the power of being in his presence through singing praise. Sometimes when God shows up, we sing and dance. Other times we cry, but whatever happens, it's an honest and beautiful response of being in his presence. I believe rejoicing isn't about being in a constant state of joy or maintaining a static environment. Joy, like all of our emotions, is dynamic, and often our tears become the stream from which our joy is nourished. The Bible says that those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. It's from Psalm 126.5. Last week, Hawaiian Islands Ministries released the Hawaii Blessing, a beautiful video that included worship leaders from 25 different churches from six islands. I feel so honored and grateful to have been included. If you still haven't seen it, please stay tuned as you'll get another chance at the end of this service. As the video began to go viral and tens of thousands of people began watching, my favorite part this past week was reading the comments. So many people talked about being touched, and many shared about being moved to tears. Many of my friends shared that they had the same experience, that same response. Just this morning, I received an email from a dear friend in Texas who's battling serious health issues. He wrote, Jason, as I lay here in my hospital bed awaiting surgery, I continue to draw inspiration from your glorious music. Thank you again for all that you do for his kingdom. May God continue to bless you and keep you, brother. You see, I believe music is a gift of grace that can help us stay in the Lord, to stay connected to both God and each other. If you're someone who has yet to experience the power of musical worship in your everyday life, I'd like to encourage you to explore this as a daily practice. There's so much beautiful worship out there to sing to and to soak in. To praise and worship God through music is a wonderful way to stay in the Lord, to keep searching and finding your joy in Jesus. And whether it brings shouts of praise or tears of release, your heart is in the right place for you're connected to God when you worship him. Psalm 104 declares that we enter His gates with thanksgiving and we enter His courts with praise. We enter His presence with praise and worship. The musical worship of our Creator is a powerful way to rejoice in the Lord. So again, the first step on a pathway to peace is rejoice always. Now let's move on to step two. And I may ruffle some feathers here, but hear me out. Step two is be reasonable. Be reasonable. Let's look again at verse five. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Well, I don't know about you, but when I'm stressed out and anxious, I wouldn't exactly describe myself as reasonable. My wife would have no problem sharing with you that when things get hard and I begin to stress, I'm more often the opposite of reasonable. I can get moody and snappy really quick. You see, when the pressure mounts and life gets hard, our focus on self tends to magnify in direct proportion to our problems. Our perspective begins to narrow. We may begin to see things from only our point of view, our pain, our problems, our suffering. To instead let our reasonableness be known to everyone is really a call to take our eyes off ourself and to see how we are engaging with the world around us the original word in, Greek, in the Greek manuscript that is translated here as reasonableness can also be translated as thoughtfulness or gentleness. There's an element of humility and a sense of restraint embedded in this word. Paul is saying that in the midst of chaos, in the face of fear and uncertainty, in the midst of your suffering, let your thoughtfulness, your gentleness, and your humility be known to everyone. Let these things be seen in you And don't be reasonable to just your friends or those who are nice to you. May reasonableness be what people see in you during difficult and stressful times and in every situation. Paul wants us Jesus followers to be known for our reasonableness. But we have to ask ourselves, what do we want to be most known for? Is it your physical appearance? Your personality? Your career? Your wealth? Your wisdom? Maybe your family? Perhaps we should focus on something far less sensational, but way more spiritual, reasonableness, thoughtfulness, gentleness, humility. Now you may be asking again, how is this possible? I'm stressed out, I'm nervous. I am around a lot of challenging people. Well, the Bible is saying this is possible for the Lord is at hand. You can be reasonable, thoughtful, and gentle, not because of your circumstance or situation, but in spite of it because the Lord is at hand. This simply means that God is near. As a follower of Jesus, you can trust that God is with you, that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, that you are not alone. And the Holy Spirit is an amazing teacher. In fact, Jesus told his followers in John 14, 26, that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. So in light of the internal stress that we have and surrounded by many external triggers, staying on our pathway to peace requires us to grow in our emotions, to know ourselves well, to be aware of our tendencies to react to the stresses of our world, rather than in responding to our situations from a deep knowledge and understanding of who we are. As we interact with the world around us, we must remember that God is near, he is with us. We are to be reasonable, thoughtful, and gentle in our circumstances, and can do so by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. He will help us. He will teach us. God is near. He is at hand. And this leads us to our final step on a pathway to peace, which is be prayerful. Be prayerful. Verse six says this, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The Bible is sharing some great wisdom here. Let's look closely at this. In verse five, our reasonableness is to be be made known to others, while in verse six, our requests are to be made known to God. I love how the Bible gives us the hard truth sometimes. If we need to be unreasonable, emotional, frustrated, Let's not make that known to others, but let's take those things to God. Let's take the hard stuff to Him. He is big enough and strong enough to handle our loudest and deepest cries. He can handle our hard questions. In fact, I believe He wants to hear our frustrations and fears. And it's all about prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Prayer is simply communicating with God The Bible makes it clear here that the alternative to anxiety or worry is the pouring out of one's heart to God in prayer. Release from anxiety comes through laying yourself bare before God. D.A. Carson says the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Being prayerful is the key. But how does this work? What is it about anxiety and prayer that put them in conflict with one another? More specifically, what is it about prayer that makes it an effective antidote to anxiety? Well, as someone who has battled anxiety my whole life, I'd like to share some personal insight concerning anxiety in prayer. First of all, I notice that when I get anxious, my thoughts are focused on myself. But when I pray, my thoughts are then rooted in God. When I'm anxious, the fruit is a very narrow view of life. I tend to focus on my problems, my issues. But in prayer, the fruit is a very broad view of life, where God is so big that everything else, even my worst problems and worries, shrink into their proper significance. Anxiety gives me a horizontal focus. In prayer, my focus is vertical. That is to say, when I worry, I'm consumed with looking to the left and to the right, forward and backward. But when I pray, I can't help but look up. My anxiety never raises my eyes above my problems, my situation, and my circumstances, where prayer raises everything beyond myself to focusing and seeing God and His power. Anxiety looks to solve problems. Prayer looks to God to endure problems. Anxiety is a concern over circumstances I can't control, while prayer is expressing confidence in the God of all circumstances. And lastly, Anxiety anxiety is truly an expression of fear, while prayer is truly an expression of faith. Paul says, but in everything by prayer, in every circumstance, no matter how serious or casual, no matter how tragic or trivial, and at all times we are to pray. The contrast here is striking, in nothing being anxious, but in everything be prayerful. Many of you already know that my wife Sheila is a flight attendant. With the onset of COVID-19, the risk of exposure at her job quickly became worrisome for our family, especially since my parents live with us. Rather than risk getting sick and exposing us, Shayla took voluntary unpaid leave until August. To be honest though, there's no guarantee she'll be going back to work even then. She's pretty low in seniority, so it may take many months before the volume of flying reaches the point where she could go back to work. In light of this and the anxiety that this could cause, I rejoice in the fact that my wife has been home and has slept next to me for the past seven weeks in a row. You see, she's been a flight, atten- a flight attendant since we got married and we've never been together for more than a couple of weeks at a time. Eventually she would have to leave for a work trip and it would be about a week before I'd see her again. What I realized these past seven weeks is the power of being able to connect with her every single day without a break. We have built momentum in our relationship the waking up in the morning and doing a devotional and praying together over morning coffee. It sets up our entire day with a focus on God, loving Him, and loving each other well. Now, this doesn't guarantee we get along always. We still have our moments, but our relationship is growing deeper. The key to our growing together during this time has really been prayer. Our time together in the morning is powerful because God is in the center of it, not because the coffee is great, because my company is amazing, but because we make time for each other and create a space for God to show up, for the Holy Spirit to speak and teach us. And in making time for God together, we have seen such wonderful fruit. We have more patience with each other. We are more loving to each other. We get over issues and irritations a lot more quickly. For Shayla and I, being disciplined about our time together has produced momentum in our relationship. And I wanna encourage you The same can happen not only in your personal relationships, but also in your spiritual life. By being disciplined and meeting with God, you will build spiritual momentum through spending time with Him. With a focus on prayerfulness, just being with God and communicating with Him, it is possible to not be anxious about anything. God can do that. So in closing, if we can take these three steps that the Bible has laid out for us, to rejoice in Jesus always, to let our reasonableness our gentleness be known and not be anxious, but instead be prayerful in everything. We are promised peace. For verse seven says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What really excites me about this verse is the peace promised here is not just a feeling of peace. It isn't just a peace that is experienced. It's a peace that is alive and active It's a peace that protects. This peace, which is beyond comprehension, bigger than we can really understand, will actually guard and protect our hearts and minds. There is a war being waged for our attention, which is why I try to avoid consuming too much news. But really, there's a battle going on over our hearts and minds. Just watching the news, or scrolling through social media, illustrates this now more than ever. We need more peace. But God knows that just any peace will do. Paul knows this too, which is why he teaches us about this supernatural peace that surpasses all understanding. Paul is saying that this peace that God gives us doesn't make logical sense. Why? This peace is hard to comprehend because this peace is a guardian peace. It's a warrior peace. It's a peace that actually fights for us while we get to rest in Jesus. Let me say that again. It fights for us while we rest in Jesus. Wow. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Isn't that the kind of peace we all need right now, more than ever? The peace I speak of today is available for everyone, and it's available through Jesus. One of his names is the Prince of Peace, and he wants to offer his peace to you today. But Jesus is a gentleman and will not barge his way into your life. He must be invited. The Bible says he stands at the door and knocks, and if you let him in, he will come in and eat with you. This is a reminder that Jesus cares about friendship, that he will meet you where you are right now if you invite him in. If you'd like to invite Jesus into your life today, in a moment I'll invite you to join me in a prayer of sorry, thank you, and please. Sorry acknowledges who we are as people who fall short. Thank you acknowledges our need for Jesus and what he's done for us. And please invites the gift of of his presence, his peace for all who believe. So please pray these words out loud with me. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for all the ways I fall short. I acknowledge my need for a savior and that I cannot save myself. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and for coming back to life so that I may be forgiven of my wrongs and be given a fresh new start. Please come into my life and be my savior, my teacher, and my friend. I invite you in Jesus and welcome your peace. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer with me, this is a huge first step on an amazing journey with Jesus. I praise God for you. For those of you who are watching on our online platform, please press that raise hand button to let us know you've invited Jesus into your life. We would love to connect with you, pray for you, and give you support any way we can. And maybe you heard something in today's message that really stood out to you and would like to discuss, or just have questions about the message, or even our church. I'd like to invite you to join a digital connect group right after service ends.
0: Invite God into your life now. Rejoice in Him. Be gentle with others and offer up prayers constantly and watch for the peace of God to come over you. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we meet Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako. But for now, you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church website, fpchawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click on the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.11 and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Be sure to check your email, too, for links to sermons, church news and updates, and daily devotionals. If you have any questions or any needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2020 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.